Dr. Vincent Pedre. Welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. This is actually the second time you've been on. You're one of the few people who've been on twice, so very exciting. We are going to dive deep into your new book, The Gut Smart Protocol, which I actually dove deep into the past couple of days, and it is so clearly written. There are beautiful diagrams, and you share stories of people that you've transformed their gut symptoms. It, it warms my heart to hear you say that because the the amount of sweat equity that I put into this book was like 10 times what I put into my first book because I wanted to make it so approachable and easy to understand for people that there was no question, like it's just clear the message that I'm trying to get across about how the gut is the foundation for all of your health. Every, every system in the body, especially immune system, is connected to your gut health. Yeah. And the book feels refined. Um, I am a big fan of simplicity. It's still getting the message across. And you, you feel that when you read it. Uh, for people who have not read your first book, when you're talking about the gut, what are you actually talking about? Like from, from where to where in the body? Wow. <clears throat> so, I mean, from the simple point of view, you know, the gut starts in the back of your throat with the esophagus, goes into your stomach, small intestine, large intestine, and then rectum and you poop what you eat, then you poop it out. But when we're, when we're talking about the gut and what affects our health in a very dramatic way, we're really kind of focusing into the small intestine, the large intestine, and specifically the microbiome that lives in there, especially in the large intestine, which is the biggest reservoir of our microbiome. The large intestine has a hundred trillion bacteria estimated, which it, you put it into perspective, there are 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. So we've got multiples of that inside our gut. You know, you're carrying, I almost think of it like you're carrying your own personal galaxy. And if you think about that, like, oh my God, I have a galaxy inside my gut. And this galaxy has evolved from the very beginning of time, dating back to the first humans that maybe is like 50,000 years ago and has been handed down generation to generation over all of this time and is essential for the processes that run the human body. I mean, it's how would you treat it? How would you take care of it if you know that how you take care of it determines how it takes care of your body? Yeah, that's pretty mind-blowing to think of it in that perspective. For the autoimmune population who might not know that there's a connection between the gut and having an autoimmune condition, can you share that connection? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, it's, it's one of the biggest connections that there is. And there are theories that autoimmune disease actually begins in the gut with a process that involves three things that um, a very... Uh, prominent researcher, Alessio Passano at Harvard, MIT, discovered this, this triad that he calls that then can cause autoimmune disease. And he said, genetic predisposition, you might have the genetics for it, but genetics does not determine what gets expressed. Then leaky gut 
an environmental trigger. So if you have these three things, then you have the setup for developing autoimmune disease. But I think we need to understand this further. So he was looking at gluten as being that environmental trigger and saying that gluten has certain characteristics about it that it almost looks like the surface of bacteria and that can trigger the immune response. But I think it's even more complicated than that because depending on what is living inside the gut and if you have a lot of good bacteria versus bad bacteria and you have, you're, you're exposed to things that would damage the balance of that ecosystem, you know, so also we can think of it as a garden or an ecosystem that when in balance, your health is going to be good. And when out of balance, it's going to cause a domino effect that's going to affect so many other aspects of your health. So now you're growing up and maybe you do have the genetics for Hashimoto's for some sort of autoimmune disease. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to develop it. But then you have antibiotics for UTI. Then you have a, a bronchitis, pharyngitis. You're giving antibiotics over and over. Each time it's affecting the makeup of your gut microbiome. It's causing increased levels of leaky gut. And maybe you're having drinks, alcohol, which also causes dysbiosis. So dysbiosis just means an imbalance between good and bad bugs in the gut. So alcohol is a disinfectant. Well, it disinfects your gut, but not in a good way. It kills off good bacteria, which then imbalances that ecosystem. Then eating processed foods, too much sugar, all the processed foods out there, inflammatory oils, and you're basically setting up a domino effect pathway that's going to lead to a dysregulation of the immune system that eventually can lead to autoimmune disease. Because once you have leaky gut, and we know that a molecule like gluten increases gut permeability, even in normal people, that that leaky gut is going to allow inflammatory substances to pass through it. And there's one that I talk about in my book called endotoxin. And endotoxin is released by gram-negative bacteria in, in the large intestine. And you don't need to know like what it means. It just means how the bacteria is seen in a gram stain. But what's important to know is we all have these bacteria in our gut. And what's protecting us from being exposed to endotoxin is having that gut border sealed up. So when the gut border becomes leaky and develops holes in between the cells, that endotoxin has a much easier pathway into the body. And what it does is it's one of the most potent activators of the immune system. And it activates the immune system. It, it causes muscle inflammation. It increases insulin resistance that then causes more fat around the belly. When you have more fat around the belly, you're going to have more inflammatory uh, signals. And then, you know, when you when your immune system then goes off balance and is overactivated, then eventually the theory is that at some point the immune system can become so overactivated that it fails to recognize what is self and what is non-self. There's also a theory that when gluten gets through and and we can't break down gluten easily, there's a whole bunch of different um wheat proteins. And if we don't break down gliadin, which is one of them, um, it can form a 
a, what we call a chimera is like a molecule that's made up of two different things. The chimera is gluten with an enzyme in the body known as tissue transglutaminase. And that new molecule, those two things bound together are presented to the immune system. So again, our gut is the biggest presence of the immune system in the entire body. 70 to 80% of the immune system is right along the gut. And imagine that that gut has these cells, we call them dendritic cells. They're like patrol. They're like the border patrol. And they're just walking around and they're looking at for what's coming. They're gonna like take a sampling of something and see, hmm, is this cell or is this non-cell? So then they, they swallow one of those wheat, um, gliadin, tissue transglutaminase chimeric molecules. It has, part of it is something that's from your body. It's an enzyme, but the other part is foreign to the body. The combination of the two creates a new molecule that doesn't look like self. And the body then says, okay, the dendritic cell takes this to your, your B cells and says, you need to create antibodies to this. This is not self. The problem is, is that Tissue transglutaminase is an enzyme that's found throughout the body in different tissues. One of the places it's found is here, the thyroid. So your body develops an immune response that's been activated and part of it might be against your own tissue transglutaminase and then you start attacking the thyroid. And that's one theory about how leaky gut along with an environmental trigger here being gluten can eventually lead to Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroiditis. I think this is such an important point because especially with that idea of belly fat coming from an inflammatory response, coming from an immune response, most women, when they're seeing their doctors, are given medication and possibly told, potentially told to move more and eat less, right? Looking at it from a caloric deficit approach versus- yeah really a more comprehensive approach of start to work on your gut health. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a common mistake made is not understanding the connection between the gut and metabolism and, and weight gain. Um, if you're, you know, you're doing everything right. You're going to the gym, you're running on the treadmill all the time but you're living a stressed out lifestyle. Maybe you're skipping lunch. Maybe you're just having a green juice. You think you're being healthy. You're, you're restricting, you're eating less calories. But what you're actually doing is you're putting your body under stress. And the other thing that affects the gut, gut permeability and the gut microbiome is stress. I like to say that stress is like an attack on your gut. So now you're not necessarily eating the right diet. Maybe you're under eating protein, which puts your body into a stress mode. And women's bodies are very sensitive to whether the body feels safe or unsafe. So if your body's in stress mode, it's going to be more in a, in a inflammatory state. And then you get more leaky gut, you get inflammatory substances coming in, you start packing on weight in the middle, even though you're running on the treadmill for 45 minutes, five times per week, and you're calorie restricting, you think you're doing all the right things, but you can't lose weight. And maybe your doctor thinks that it's your thyroid, but maybe there's something deeper than that. It's uh, a metabolic, um, metabolic short circuit that's happening 
because your gut is out of balance. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen women, men who can't lose weight, their body is stuck at a certain level. And then you incorporate gut healing, gut detoxification into a protocol, and suddenly their body is shedding pounds with no effort. Yeah. I want to talk about, just touch upon this idea of leaky gut environmental triggers, which you talked about. And I think it's a very vicious cycle. And so I'm curious how to get out of that cycle. So certain environmental triggers can create looseness in those junctions in the gut lining, yes. right? Then allowing more foreign bodies to pass through that lining. I, the thing that comes to mind is maybe some mold or mycotoxins can loosen the borders and then, then those Abs- are crossing and, through. And get through and then they trigger a whole host of inflammatory symptoms that you as the person are thinking, I'm tired. I just don't feel energetic like I used to. I have brain fog, you know, maybe I, my memory is not as good as it used to be. And you go to your doctor and they tell you, you're in your mid forties, you're getting old. It's part of getting old, but it isn't, it doesn't have to be. It's just that they're looking at the wrong side of the equation. They're not realizing that you've got to go to the gut, to the cornerstone of your health to understand why this is happening. Yeah. Uh, you said something interesting in the book. You said you don't have to have gut symptoms to have a gut issue, which I think most people think, okay, bloating, burping, reflux. Okay, this is all gut. But then other symptoms, for example, joint pain, we don't like the first thing to come to mind is not gut, but you correlate those two things in the book. And I've seen it with patients over the years, and it it just always blew my mind that if I found, um, you know, you... Anytime you you do a patient intake, you 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 know you ask them a broad range of questions. You know, do you have fatigue? Do you have joint aches? Do you have joint swelling? And obviously, any of these things can have many different underlying factors. You know, for example, you could have Hashimoto's, and yeah, you might have some element of hypothyroidism, and your doctor puts you on T four. And you feel a little better, but you don't feel completely better. The doctor's like, well, now your, your thyroid levels are completely normal. You're fine. The problem is that the body is not one, one in one, like one simplistic thing. Usually there's, there's multiple different factors affecting one particular symptom in the body. And it could be coming from different places. So what I found and what always shocked me is that a person could have a parasite, have no gut symptoms, but show up with joint inflammation, joint aches, fatigue, and they're going to think that I'm a new mom. This is why I'm feeling this way. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm tired. And not even think that their gut is an issue. And honestly, it, it takes a high end of suspicion, but one thing that I, you know, that I really wanted to educate people on in my new book is what I call the difference between gut-centric symptoms, which you mentioned, like you know, stomach aches, heartburn, bloating, indigestion. You know, that's very clear that you've got some sort of gut issue versus what I call gut-related symptoms that could be 
in your brain, on your skin, in your immune system, in your lungs, your airway, your joint, that most people, your metabolism, that people don't think are related to your gut, but can be related to your gut. One of the more dramatic cases that I had was um, a woman who had come from India, moved to New York, and she was a new mom and she was feeling tired. And she, she had these joint aches and actually had broken out into hives right before she came to see me. And she had um, learned about me, picked up my first book. And by the time she saw me, she had taken dairy and gluten out of her diet. Now, this is something really important to point out because in India, they're using more ancient grains. They're not using all this modern dwarf wheat. So a lot of times, you know, being in New York, I've seen patients come from other countries to the U.S. and they were fine in their country and then they get sick when they get to the U.S. Well, with her, interestingly, she had all of these autoimmune markers that were lighting up on a blood test. Doctors wanted to put her on immunosuppressants, on prednisone. They wanted to put her on what they call biologics, which are like immune globulins that will help block those antibodies. And, you know, she, she didn't want to. She, she wanted to take a natural approach, and she was really worried about suppressing the immune system. Is this the right way to go? And do you really have an autoimmune condition? And, you know, when you're, when you're looking at this, you're thinking about everything. Like, could she have Lyme disease? Was she exposed to a tick bite? You know, it could be, could she have mold in the home? But lo and behold, so I, I, I was so certain she had something going on in her gut. I asked her, because you know, sometimes people will say, no, I don't have any gut symptoms. And then I'll come back and I'll ask from a different direction because sometimes people aren't fully aware I probably asked her five different ways and she completely denied any gut symptoms whatsoever. And I said, you know, but you have all these gut related health issues and you already improved, like her hives dropped by 50% just by taking gluten and dairy out of the diet. So we tested her gut and we found that she was growing a yeast. It wasn't candida and she had a very common parasite that actually you can get in India, um, but it's also found very commonly in the U.S. called blastocystis hominis, which if you ask gastroenterologists and traditionally trained doctors, they would tell you, oh, the science says that this is a, not a pathogen. It, you know, it's found commonly in people. But the research has actually looked at, does blastocystis cause leaky gut? And it's found that it does. And so I treated her for yeast and for blastocystis. And within a month, her joint aches were gone. And within two months, her energy was up. What she thought was, you know, a tired mom because she had a four-year-old at home. It wasn't that, it was the gut. So I think if there's anything that I can get across to your listeners, to, to people who, who read my book, is that you don't have to have a gut-centric system symptom to have a gut-related health issue. Um, and you have to be really astute about understanding what are all those issues. It could be migraines, asthma, allergies, autoimmunity, headaches, joint aches, fatigue, muscle aches, even anxiety, depression are related to imbalances in the gut or imbalances in your ability to break down and digest protein. 
You know, if you're going to the gym and you're not making those muscle gains that you're expecting and you're thinking, you know, maybe is it a hormonal imbalance? Well, that goes back to the gut, but it could also be that you're not breaking down protein properly because you have leaky gut and you're not making enough enzyme to break down that protein into the amino acids that you need in order to build lean muscle. Yeah, it's really a more comprehensive kind of root cause approach, which if everyone had access to in in this country would be incredible, but you know, they can start to tap into it by starting to read Gut Smart Protocol. Um, you talk I mean, about- that's why I wanted to write a book like this is yeah. to really make make this accessible to to everyone. And I wanted to simplify it and make it a food-based approach. Um, I call it a gut, body, mind, spirit approach uh, because I think even when you're improving the diet, you have to be, you have to pay attention to your mindset, to how your body is holding on to stress. Does your body feel safe or does it feel unsafe? And that's a really important thing because if your body is in a state where it's saying, I don't feel safe, it's going to be inflamed. It's not going to heal well. You're going to stay with a lot of chronic symptoms. So getting the body into that safe zone, which basically in other words, and more scientific term means, um, means activating the vagus nerve, the longest nerve in the body that controls the parasympathetic nervous system and reads what's going on with all the internal organs getting that in activating the vagus and getting into good vagal tone then creates a sense of safety in the body that is really important to healing. If you're anxious, if you're depressed, your body is actually in an alert action and, and feeling that it is unsafe. Yeah. So some of that vagal toning, we actually teach inside thyroid strong during the rest breaks. Uh, we do humming, singing, putting the tongue on the roof of the mouth and like long, slow exhales through the nose. What are some other ones that you teach before you sit down to eat? Oh, very important um, in my book. So I, 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 I teamed up with some breath work and meditation experts. Uh, one of them is Sasha Patel, and he has a whole protocol of before meal, during meal, and after meal breathing and part of it is just taking before meal is tuning into where, where are you stress-wise? Like if you're, if your stress levels are here, you're at work, you're, you're super stressed. And then you go out, you grab a quick lunch, you bring it to your desk. And now you're just like, you know, inhaling your food. Your body is not ready to receive that food. However, it's super simple to get your body into a state where it can receive that food. Even if you just stop and take three deep breaths. And at the end of each inhalation, as you exhale, you just do a big like, ah, just kind of releasing all of that tension in the body. If you do that three times, you have already changed your internal state to state where it's, it's more. So a lot of it is about conscious living and being intentional about the moments in your life when you're you're taking food in because it's very important for your body to be in that receptive relaxed mode in order to be able to digest food and receive it 
and be able to assimilate it. Yeah. You talk about in the book the importance of the diversity of the microbiome. Uh, why is this important? I don't think a lot of people know why. Well, everyone knows what the word diversity means. It means variety. It's like a rainbow, right? And in order to understand that, so I talk about how the large intestine has 100 trillion microorganisms. And if you look at those 100 trillion, there's anywhere between 500 and 1,000 different species, so different strains of bacteria inside each person. But when you're, you're given an antibiotic, for example, you're drinking too much alcohol, you're eating too much sugar, you're altering the ecology, you're actually narrowing the diversity of that microbiome. And what we've learned now in studies is that the less diverse your microbiome, the higher your inflammatory markers are going to be, the more likelihood you're going to have leaky gut, the more likely that you're going to develop some sort of chronic degenerative disease. And so we want to increase the diversity of the gut microbiome. We understand that there's, there's something about this diversity that actually improves a whole host of health parameters. And they actually looked at this as a study done in Stanford University. They did on women and they looked at the effects of a fiber rich diet versus a high fermented foods diet. And what they found was surprisingly, because if, if you uh, study functional medicine here, eat the rainbow, eat a whole bunch of fiber, that, that that's the best thing that creates microbial diversity. And they actually found that that wasn't the case that what increased microbial diversity and lowered 19 inflammatory markers was a high fermented foods diet. And that meant anywhere between two and four servings of ferments per day. Now I want to qualify it because a listener might think, wow, okay, ferments are great. I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy sauerkraut, pickles, yogurt, kefir. I'm going to start having a whole bunch of ferments. And then the next thing you know, you're feeling sick and bloated and not so great. Well, the thing is, again, individualizing it is really important. That's why I designed a quiz with my book. I call it the Gut Smart Quiz. And if you take the quiz and your Gut Smart score falls in the severe category, then you can't have ferments yet. They're going to make you sick. We need to do some gut healing get you down to moderate level, and then you can start incorporating some fermented foods, but only like a quarter teaspoon testing a little bit at a time, you know, and it, I think what I've come to really appreciate over time, um, you know, because in America, we think like if little is good, then a lot is even better. Like just, oh, gangbusters. And I've seen like you know, chat threads online, like people heard that resistant starch is really good for insulin sensitivity. And they just started um, taking a bunch of um, resistant starch supplement. And then they're feeling really bloated, horrible, um, lots of stomach pain. And it's because you, you have to be careful with these things and you have to be intuitive with it. But I think also I, people need to hear this, that you, you want to start low test and then increase based on how your body is reacting to that. And the end game is not to get to that high dose immediately, but to get there when your body is ready to get there. And that's the best way to get there. And people can identify this aspect in themselves through your quiz. Yeah. So they can find out 
what level of gut dysfunction you have, whether it's severe, moderate, or mild. And then depending on that, I have food lists that tell you what foods are in, what foods are out. And I did that so that people would know, okay, if I'm shopping, what can I shop for? But if I'm eating out, what can I eat? And I provide kind of like some macro guidelines that are good for everyone. And then I filter it down and provide the guidelines that are good for each type of uh, gut smart score and have 65 recipes in the book that are actually classified according to mild, moderate, or severe, depending on what your level is. Now, obviously, if you score mild, you can actually eat across all three categories, mild, moderate, and severe, and moderates can eat moderate and severe. The goal is to really get, you know, ha take a person on a journey. If they test severe, just take them on a journey where they, we, we get them to mild. It might not happen in one 14-day protocol, but maybe it happens in the course of three protocols. And again, it's a matter of like really, I think uh, when people work with me, I think of myself as a body whisperer, like, and I'm sure you feel the same, like you, you help people understand the, the signals that their bodies are giving them. And part of my goal with the book is to teach people how to listen to their bodies so that they can become their own doctor in a sense, because nobody knows your body and how you relate to food better than you do. There's nobody on the planet that can know that better than you do, but you can only know it if you're tuning in and you're being aware of what the reactions are, both before you eat, thinking about what is it that I desire? What is it that my body is craving right now? Because there is a wisdom to that. Understanding while you're eating, realizing when you're full, when you should stop eating. And if you're at your desk, stressed out, inhaling your food, you're not present. You're not going to know when you're full. You're probably going to maybe overeat. But if you're present, if you're breathing, if you're, if you're eating and chewing your food uh, slowly, then your body's going to tell you when. And then afterwards, listening to your body, I call it, um, I call it pre, during, and post-meal intuition, which is something that I talk about developing in the book. Um, afterwards, it's really understanding the interconnection. Like you ate, does your eczema get worse? Do, do you get a rash? Do you get a headache after you ate? Uh, do you um, get a migraine? You know, I, I, have, I, I have like my kryptonite. So for me, my kryptonite is raw onion. And last night, I went out to dinner with a friend and I forgot to tell them at the Mexican restaurant that I did not want onions on my taco. And I thought I pulled out as many as I could. And I thought, you know, if I, if I just have a few, like it's not going to be a big deal. Well, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning with a migraine mm -hmm. uh, because it's my kryptonite. And I know better that it, raw onion, because of the sulfur in it, uh, can trigger migraines for some people. So, and, and so I went against what I know to my before meal intuition was like, don't eat those onions. And, and yet I allowed myself to eat some because I was like, I'm not going to be, I was with a friend and like, I'm not going to be that person picking out every single little onion sitting there at the table. And, uh, but I paid for it later on. Yeah.
let's break down because I think this is a important topic. It's the biggest struggle for women with Hashimoto's is difficulty losing weight, especially that lower belly pooch, especially because Hashimoto's is usually diagnosed around menopause and there's a hormonal component. There's obviously the thyroid hormone component, but let's just look at it and break it down in a very simple way coming from the gut as, as, yeah. as if there's a gut, gut component. I, I, I really like this question because I think we need to retell the story of menopause. I think, I think it's simplified to say, you know, you're going through menopause, your hormones are shifting, you're going to gain weight. But let's think about the woman who is going through menopause, possibly in her late 40s, early 50s. If they're married, she's got teenagers at home. Teenagers are stressful. Maybe there's problems in the marriage. Maybe she's stressed at work. She's working really long hours. So this woman who is about to go through menopause is either possibly about to go through a divorce, has teenage kids that are causing problems at home. Stress levels are super high. So then let's go back and retell this story from the point of view of how stress affects the gut. And maybe because this Postmenopause, this menopausal or perimenopausal woman is starting to develop some vaginal dryness. Suddenly, she's become prone to um, UTIs after sex. So then she went to her doctor and she got an antibiotic for UTI that maybe seemingly is benign. It's only five days of Cipro. That's not a big deal. Well, five days of Cipro is going to alter the gut microbiome and it's going to take 12 months to recover from one five-day course of Cipro. Now, during those 12 months, you're under high stress, maybe because you're under high stress, you're drinking a glass of wine at night to help you relax. And maybe that chocolate is calling your name. So you're having some sugar. So now you're causing dysbiosis, you're calling, causing an imbalance in your gut. And we know the gut is really important in managing the metabolism of estrogen which is really critical as women go into perimenopause because they start to lose progesterone production. And so their progesterone and estrogen ratio starts to become imbalanced. Too little progesterone, too much estrogen causes things like fibroids in the uterus, breast tenderness, fibrocystic breast. You know, maybe there's a, a cancer scare because they felt that a lump on their breast turns out that it's benign you're wondering what's going on. There's brain fog, all these things, not sleeping well. And it comes back to the gut also, because if your gut microbiome is imbalanced, then it's going to produce an enzyme that releases metabolized estrogen that's been basically tagged with an anchor to be released from the body. And that microbiome comes in and it clips off the anchor. So the estrogen can circulate back into your body, cause estrogen dominance. It's aggravating that imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So if we retell the story of perimenopause and menopause from the point of view of the gut, we understand that what is very likely happening is a higher predisposition to dysbiosis, to gut imbalance, to leaky gut, and to all of the things that I talked about, especially endotoxemia, 
you know, so that endotoxin I talked about that then triggers the inflammatory cascade will also make you to put more weight in the middle. And I can't tell you how many women I've met who are going through perimenopause or menopause and you clean out the diet, you help improve the gut microbiome, improve diversity, reduce leaky gut, and their weight starts to drop. And of course, again, gut, body, mind, spirit. So you've got to deal with things at all levels. So if they're super stressed, then let's start incorporating some self-care techniques, meditation, exercise, yoga, mindfulness practices, um, because you know that life gets more complicated and usually it's around the uh, perimenopause stage that you're in a complex moment in your life. You know, you've been married for years. Maybe the marriage is feeling less vital. You know, your relationship is a little boring. Kids are annoying, you know? So, but all these things are gonna affect the balance in your gut. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope this empowers women to think that it's, it's not just your hormone, it's kind of bigger than that. Yeah. And, and the gut plays a really big role in, in menopause. When, when my mom was going through menopause, I was going through my teenage hormone <laughs> uh, spurt. So just imagine, I felt like I was going into puberty and my mom was going through puberty backwards. And we were emotional, sometimes arguing. We were mad at each other. And, you know, well, you know what I... You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think my mother and I went through that same relationship. <laughs> I love that explanation. I think it gives so much hope to women with Hashimoto's who maybe, like we said earlier, we're just given medication and told to work out more and eat less. I think it's a more comprehensive root cause approach. And I love that there's a quiz. It, it gives us personalization to the book. I mean, I read a lot of health books and I haven't really found that piece. So I love that that is part of the book. Where can people find you and where can people get the book? So if they go to gutsmartprotocol.com, uh, they can find all the ways to get the book. It's going to be on all major retailers. The great thing about going there is they can get a free chapter and I've got a free chapter gift for all your listeners. If they go to gutsmartprotocol.com forward slash gift, they can download a free chapter from the book with some special surprises inside uh, to give them an, an idea of what the book is about and what's in store for them and why it might be beneficial for them to think about doing the 14-day protocol. Yeah. Everyone should just do the 14-day. I mean, it's 14 days, right? It can be immensely transforming. Dr. Pedre, thank you so much for being on Thyroid Strong. Super informative. I'm sure the women will love this information. And I will drop all the links in the show notes so that they can get that gift. I really appreciate the, the invite back and having been on your podcast now a second time. I feel special. And I, I really appreciate uh, your thoughtful questions uh, about the topics in my book. Thanks. <laughs>